welcome to season two of the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am your host, Rachel Curfew. But if we haven't met yet, I'm a wife, a mother, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a certified coach specializing in anxiety and helping individuals live their life even more anxiously engaged. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Being anxiously engaged is quite the opposite of being anxious. It's about stepping out of anxiety, out of your fears, and out of the shadows of your life, and moving carefully into the light where you get to really shine as you live your life filled with passion, excitement, and energy. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am so excited to be here with you today. As you guys know, I love stories of women who are being anxiously engaged in their life. And so I'm always looking for women who are what we might think um, our friends, our neighbors, are just people. Like we don't, not everybody who has a story has to be on the stage or a big famous person. Like I love real women stories, do uh, you know, women doing amazing things. And that's why I'm super excited to be here with Elizabeth Hampel today because when I met her a few weeks ago, I was like, yes, this is a perfect example of a woman who's who could be stuck in anxiety or fear or depressions or the shadows of her life, but she's not. She has stepped out and is doing amazing things. And I'm going to let her tell you all about them. But as she's doing that, she's not only transforming her life, but I think she's going to be transforming the lives of lots of other people as well. She's going to be a great inspiration. And she definitely is going to be an amazing story for you guys today about being anxiously engaged in her life. So Elizabeth, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on here. Oh, of course. It's my pleasure. So you're doing something, you have a goal that... I don't have never met another person with the same goal. Is that fair to say? It's kind of a small click you're in. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's very small, but um, yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, tell everybody what your goal is and then will you go back and kind of tell us how this story started? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I have a lot of goals, but one of my main goals I'm working on right now is to qualify for the U.S. Olympic trials in women's hammer throw, which is a track and field throwing event. Um, And so that's, I mean, I have, like I said, I have a lot of goals, a lot of lofty goals. This is something that I'm putting a lot of my time and energy into right now, um, only because the U.S. Olympic trials is this summer. Like it's coming up, like it's in, it's in five months. And so there's a lot that has to be done. And I, I've been officially training for a year now. Um, and so that's been really exciting. There's been a lot of highs. There's been a lot of lows along this last year. Um, but this five months is going to fly by. Um, and so something that kind of led up to it. So a little background, 
Um, I'm a newly divorced single mom. I have two boys, uh, four years old and two and a half. And so not only am I an athlete training to qualify for the Olympic trials, but I'm a mom too. And I'm a single mom. And so, you know, trying to navigate through all the, all my responsibilities and the many hats that I wear, um, I'm still striving to, for this goal that I'm heading towards. Um, and that's what I like to share with others. I'm very open about my journey on social media and um, because I wanna show people that you, if there's a will, there's a way and you can make your dreams come true. You can, there, there's always a way to do it if you really, really wanna do it. And so um, just a little backstory, I um, was a thrower in college at a division one university and I never picked up a hammer until college. And so I was a discus thrower and a shot put thrower in high school. I was a sprinter and a volleyball player as well. So I was just kind of a overall, like just a well-rounded athlete. And when I got to college on a track scholarship, that was the first time I picked up a hammer. And so I just picked it up, it clicked. And um, it, was, it was like, it was my thing. And I, I wish I would have picked it up sooner, but that's okay. You can't change the past. And so you just make the best of what you have and move forward and make a great future. And so for those four years, I, I went through a lot of like injuries and a lot of um, successes and like I broke records and it was fun. And I got to qualify for the, um, the NCAA national championships three years in a row. And, but I never went past that. Um, after college, I tried to continue to train and I have a bad knee. And so I went to orthopedic specialist, like how bad's my knee? Like, could I keep training on it? And he told me that I should probably stop training. And so instead of getting a second or third opinion from another specialist, um, I kind of took it as, well, maybe I am done. Cause I was kind of like burnt out at that point. Like I just graduated college. I was newly married. We were struggling to find good jobs and this like training and trying to volunteer coach on top of it was just a lot like I was burnt out and so I kind of took that as maybe I should stop training and so me my ex-husband we moved across the United States a few times had two kids and about two years ago there was like a spark in me that's like maybe you should start throwing again like it's something you love maybe just do it for like exercise something you enjoy so I started kind of I got back into shape after I had my second son, I started throwing and I was like, you know what, I'm still young and I have the desire to go to the Olympics still or go to the world championships, like just that international level. And so I reached out to my, my old college coach who actually just resigned the beginning of last year. And it kind of worked out because he, um, he resigned so that he could be a stay-at-home dad because he was growing their family and his wife is a very successful business owner. And he's like, you know, I need to be home, you know, with my family during this time, not, you know, not at uh, cross country and track practice all year round. And so that kind of worked out perfectly. And I definitely think there was the Lord's hand in it because I had this burning desire for so long, you know, to compete as an elite athlete, at the world levels, at the national levels. And it just, things just kind of fell into place. And so I acted on it. I was like, I'm not going to let this desire, like, you know, just burn out. I don't want to regret it in 20 years that I didn't act upon it. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer that if you have a desire, if you have this burning, like this goal and dream inside you that just won't go away after years and years of it being there, I was like, I should probably act on this. I don't want to, you know, live in regret 20 years later that I didn't do something on it.
Yeah, I love so, that because there's so many women that have a burning desire, but they're like, well, I am a mom. I've got little people at home or I've been through a divorce or my knees out too. Like there's, there's a 20 reasons why you could have quit, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. So what is that fire though? That what is, do you have like a, I don't know, even the word I'm trying to say, like, how do you keep that little spark going? Like, I mean, some of it I think is a piece inside of us, but you didn't mm -hmm. squash the flame. Like you allowed it to keep sparking and growing. So is there something to that that you do? Do you have a magic secret for the rest of us? <laughs> how to keep our spark alive, even in hard times? <laughs> right. Um, I I wouldn't say it's like a, like a secret, like sauce or anything, like, but for me, so first I'm a very passionate person. Like if I have this desire to do it, like I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely, that's a, that's a gift that I try to use for, for my own benefit to, you know, try to go after my dreams and stuff. And so for me, I would say what has helped me through the hard times is remembering why you're working on it. Like why you have this dream? Why is it important to you? Like, why does it matter? And so once you really internalize why you're doing this, um, there's, there's a deeper meaning and it kind of, it motivates you. And here's the thing about motivation is motivation will come and go, but, um, but that's okay. If you can continue to find different ways to motivate yourself to actually get up and get it done, like you, that's what you have to do. And so it kind of started. So during those five years where I quit training right after college and from when I started training again, I had two very difficult pregnancies. I actually had a miscarriage as well towards the, like a few months before I started training. So I, I have experienced that. And it's kind of crazy to think that I would have, um, how, how old would this baby be now? About 15, 16 months. I'd have a 15 month old wow. right now, Aww. which is like crazy to think about. But I know that, you know, there's every challenge has a blessing in disguise. I, I absolutely believe that. Um, and there was many blessings that came from, you know, this, the baby coming into this world, even though the baby wasn't able to be here very long. But um, I, I felt like during that five-year period, that, that spark, like, I don't know, I kind of knew something inside me like there was something greater than what like I was doing. Like there was something inside of me that was like, you know, there's something that you, there's things that you need to do that like you're not doing yet. Like, but it's okay. Like you're growing your family. You know, I have two beautiful boys that are just the, the craziest, silliest, funniest little boys that I know and they're mine and it's so fun. And, but I started doing like personal development right after my second was born I'd go on walks I'd have my baby my my youngest strapped to my chest in a little baby wrap and I'd have my my youngest one or my oldest in a stroller they're only 17 months apart so they're pretty much two babies at this point and I just had to get out of the house I just I had to walk I did walks around the block and I'd listen to podcasts I'd listen to motivational uh, speeches from YouTube you know all these things are free all these resources that we have at the touch of our fingers and it, it, it almost like the, this little spark that was still in me, it like, it grew it bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I was listening to this personal development and I encourage everybody to do some kind of personal development. Cause it, that, that's what help That's what keeps you going too. Like it keeps that spark going. It's personal development. No matter if you listen to it or you read books, that is, it just, it grew and grew and grew. And I started setting all these huge goals 
even though I was a stay-at-home mom and my husband at the time, my ex-husband, he was working a full-time job. We bought a movie theater and wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we bought a movie theater. We were brand new to, we, neither of us had ever owned a movie theater or ran a movie theater before. So this is all brand new. And so he was working there pretty much as a full-time job. So, you know, I have these two babies at home. My husband at the time was working 70, 80 hours a week from home. It was a little crazy, but personal development, listening to just YouTube videos or podcasts that continued to like, it continued to grow that, that flame that's inside me. And it, there was just something that happened that it wasn't just one instance, but it was like something a little bit that I did every single day that just made it grow and grow and grow. And I think that's what helped me during that hard time. Cause I was also suffering from postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression is listening to personal development, reading personal development, and, and then starting to set these goals. Like I was getting excited for my future because I had these goals and I knew that I could do them. And I knew I was, I, I had greater things to do. So I was getting really excited and that definitely helped during that hard time of my life. I love, love, love that. Do you have some favorite, uh, uh, inspirational mentors, speakers, like who were, who are some of the people you were listening to? Um, I was listening to like Tony Robbins mm -hmm. and, oh, he's so good. Like That's I good. really, really, I yeah. know. Um, and then I think his name's Jim, Jim Rohn. I think yeah. his first name's Jim. Yeah. He's, I love his, the, his style of speaking. Yeah. Jim Rohn is actually Tony Robbins teacher. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why you like them both. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And another, yeah. yeah. Another good one is Les Brown. I, I love his style of speaking too. Yeah. Um, and then there's, I, I mainly listen to their stuff, but some of um, like podcasts or like videos I like to listen to um, is, or I mean, books is like Atomic Habits. I forgot what yeah. the, the uh, author's name is. James but Atomic Clear. Habits. James Clear. Yeah, James Clear. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one too. Like I've probably read that book like three times already. Fantastic. <laughs> like it's really good. And it's, it's just amazing how I, I feel pretty fortunate to be living in the era that we live in is because we have so many resources and ways of educating ourselves at the tip of our fingers. Absolutely. And a lot of it's free. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what does a day in the life look like for a mom, a single mom with two little guys who's now training and just months away from this huge uh, deadline basically you know to this, yeah. this big deadline that you you want to be amazing at so what does that look like how do you train with boys now because you can't strap them to you and probably go walking they're a little bigger now so what is it yes what does that involve what does that look like for you oh man there is a lot of planning like just pre-planning you know if I take them with me to like a throwing session for example um, I obviously have to make sure that they're far enough away from me that they're going to be safe I, I've never thrown a hammer that's kind of gone all crazy. Like I've never done that, but you just never know. You just have to, right. you know, take, be safe about it. And so like what I do here, um, I'm at my parents' house uh, and I'm, I'm moving back to New Mexico for my, when my, when I start my new job in about a month. And so here in uh, Kentucky, um, I actually throw off of the pavement, the parking lot at the church. Um, it's a really, I know. And so it's very smooth surface. And if I have to take them with me, if I don't, if my parents or my brother aren't able to watch my kids, 
I'm able to take them with me. And there's a lot of planning, you know, making sure the diaper bag is packed because my youngest is still in, in diapers or pull-ups, uh, making sure there's snacks, making sure they have water, uh, bringing their dump trucks and toys that um, they're far enough away from me. It's kind of nice because the church is kind of not on a very busy road. And so, and the road is kind of far away from the parking lot. So it works out perfect. And I just make sure that they are, I keep an eye on them, you know, make sure they're taking care of, they're entertaining themselves. I'm so glad I have two boys because they just play with them. You know, they have a play buddy. Perfect. And um, yep. And then they just, whenever I'm done throwing, they come out with me and they help me collect all my hammers out in the field and just making sure that they're a part of it as well. And so sometimes my throwing sessions, take twice as long as if I was by myself, but that's okay. You have to be very flexible um, with what you can do. And um, that's okay. Like, that's what I'm learning is that's what's so hard about having anxiety is you love to have things planned out like, you know, to a T, but motherhood has taught me that it's okay. It, you can plan stuff. But it's okay to be flexible and that things will work out and it's okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's always more than one way to accomplish something. Exactly. And when you have little kids, it's usually lots of ways you have to <laughs> learn to yes. get things done. Oh, it's fantastic. That's super yeah. fantastic. And I yeah. love what you were saying about being flexible too, because a lot of women, as you're right, with anxiety, sometimes women like hold so tight onto controlling something because everything mm -hmm. feels like spinning out of control sometimes or that they, or when they're going through something hard and traumatic and they feel like they have no say or no control, they'll find one thing to like really just cling to, to try to control. And it could be a husband or a child or finances or, or maybe what they're eating or something They control something. And, and the harder you hold on to something like that, um, the more missed opportunities you have to reach out and grab that good thing that's right in front of you. Cause you're just so clinging to this idea that you need to hold on to this to feel safe and in control. So that's really important that you recognize that, um, you know, yeah, I, I can do things in lots of different ways and I've got lots of people in my corner to help me and together we're going to get it done. It just might look different every day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned postpartum anxiety is anxiety kind of even still a little bit of a threat in your life or is that now better that you, um, not postpartum anymore? Um, it's definitely better. I definitely think that because I'm kind of my, my oldest or my, sorry, my youngest is almost three. Mm -hmm. And so it's been three years, but, um, I actually, I, I tried to do all the things naturally to kind of help with my anxiety, you know, like I tried so many things. And so it got to the point where I called to make an appointment with my doctor. This was like one year after my youngest was born. So like, but I knew it was controlling me so much. Like I didn't feel like myself. Um, a lot of the postpartum anxiety manifested itself in like rage and like just outbursts. And I didn't feel like myself. Like I hated when I did that. And I did, oh man, it just made me cringe whenever I did that. Cause I'm like, this isn't me. And so I finally went to my doctor and I talked to her about just what I was, you know, feeling what I was experiencing. And my anxiety at that point was so bad that like, I almost canceled my appointment because I feared that they wouldn't believe me that what I was experiencing wasn't bad enough or, or they wouldn't believe me. And I almost like, I almost canceled that appointment because it just freaked me out. And I'm so glad I didn't because I was able to um, get put on some medication 
And um, I was very fortunate that the first medication that I was put on helped me tremendously. Um, and I'm not saying that the, the first time is always going to help, but it's definitely trial and error. You know, our bodies are so complicated and our chemical imbalances and just the phases we go through life. So, you know, maybe this, this medicine is going to help me now, but it may not help me later on. Like it's just, so you just have to kind of be open-minded about that. But, um, man, whenever I was able to finally get on the medicine and it started working and having effects, like I felt like myself, like I wasn't freaking out about everything and I had more energy because I was more relaxed and And it was so, so nice. And I was, so all those skills that, you know, I researched and looked up about helping my anxiety, I I did, I kept doing, even though I was on medication, um, because those are good skills to have to kind of help, you know, calm us when we're stressed or anxious, um, overwhelmed, all those things I still practice to this day to kind of help with my anxiety. Perfect. And I really love that you brought up that you tried medication because we live in a world where um, that's becoming more talked about. It's more acceptable, but there are some times and for some women that they're just like, no, that's a sign of weakness or I should be able to manage. I should be able to cope or, or whatever they're thinking. And then there that fuels their anxiety and their anxiety alarm starts ringing even louder. And I can't even tell you how many women have canceled appointments with me just even, not even as a, like a client session or to sign up for a program or anything, just like, just to chat with me because they get anxiety about talking to me about having anxiety. Right. Yes. And so I totally get what you're saying. Um, but I love that you went because one of the things I have discovered over the years is that many if not at least all that I've worked with, and and obviously that doesn't include the whole general women population, but at least just in my experience, the women who have had any kind of postpartum anxiety or depression, and they're having a hard time getting over it themselves, medicine is usually the the best option in that situation. And you're right, we still need strategies, we still need the tools, we still need it, there's still other work to do. But when our bodies that are, our female bodies are constantly changing, with hormones, chemicals, you know, different things we're eating, different life stressors. And to be able to say, okay, you know what? This is a band-aid solution for a little bit. It's just temporary. This doesn't have to be my whole life. But a lot of times the simplest, easiest thing is to just go talk to your doctor during those Mm -hmm. moments and let your doctor try some medicines because that usually works and it usually is temporary. That's so amazing about it. So I love that you brought that up because you are a very determined, very strong-willed, motivated woman. And a lot of women though, don't have that confidence and they don't have that forward thinking spark inside of them. And so it makes it even harder to go to the doctor. So really inspirational and really great. I'm so glad you uh, mentioned that. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. So keep going with your story. So you've got now training every day, juggling two kids, uh, packing diaper bags as part of your training packages to, you know, to, for your training routine, I mean, to, you know, go uh, practice and be ready for this event that's in coming up in five min- five months. So what would happen if you, in five months, you know, get this desired goal that you want? What comes next? What's, what's, What's life in five months when you reach this goal? 
Well, it's going to be a little crazy, <laughs> but you just got to roll with the punches. That's um, right. So the, so my, my first main goal is to qualify for the Olympic trials, which is a pretty lofty goal considering I only started training like a year ago. And some people have been training for years and years and yeah, I've trained four years to this prior, but then I had a huge gap yeah. where I had really hard pregnancies um, and I like did, I wasn't working out. Like I was pretty much bedridden during my two pregnancies. Wow. And so that is like a huge gap and a lot to make up for physically and mentally to try to make up for that. Um, but I talked to my coach and I was like, Hey, like, do you think I can qualify for the U S Olympic trials in June? And he said, yes, it's going to take a lot of work, but yeah. I think you could do it. And wow. so it was so nice to like have that kind of support from my old college coach. And man, I am so fortunate to have him coaching me because, um, he is familiar with me as an athlete. Um, we had four years together and so we're, and I'm familiar with him as my coach and everyone has, you know, different coaching style, different strengthening programs, how they do things as a coach. Um, and so I am very, very fortunate to have him, um, as my coach, um, and he, he is a really, really great coach, a really good coach for me. You know, so right. he might have not have been a great coach for somebody else, mm -hmm. but for me, he was a fantastic coach and he still is. Um, and so, and he has a lot of knowledge. And so in five months, if I, you know, go through the process, I'm able to qualify for the U S Olympic trials, um, which is held in Eugene, Oregon. It's yeah. also the U S national championship. So all the professionals, um, wow. and collegiate athletes who qualify, I'll be competing against the best of the best in the United States. Um, and there, um, they, um, you have to qualify for the Olympic trials. And so okay. if you're in the top three, okay. you make the U S Olympic team and oh. it's super fast. Like you make it the U S Olympic track and field team. They, they have to measure you. So they have, you have your, all your gear, your, your travel gear, your, um, your ceremony outfits, like all of your stuff has to match all of it. So they have like, they're doing all these things. Can you imagine doing this for like all these athletes across the United States? Like we we're a pretty big nation. Yeah. And so for yeah. them to coordinate that is crazy. Um, and then within a month, it's like super fast. Like you fly out with the U S team. Um, and so it's like a pretty, pretty quick, um, chain of events that happen. Um, wow. so and I'm not going to stop after this year. I plan on throwing for as long as I can. And so like next year is the world championships, which is kind of like the Olympics. Like it's the best, of the best that kind of come together. Um, and so every, every year that's not the U S Olympic year is the world championships. Okay. Um, so this is super unique, the 2022. So next year's world championships will be held in the United States. And it's the first time the United States has ever held a world championship. So that would That's be so exciting. cool to be able to compete. I know it's super exciting. So that would be so cool to compete on, you know, American soil. Um, and I'm hoping a lot of my friends and family will be able to, you know, travel and it's super easy to just travel to Eugene, Oregon, um, to see me compete at a, a world level too. So, wow. Oh my goodness. I got goosebumps when you said that. That is so awesome. <laughs> so Thanks. awesome. Okay. So moving forward though, you are, uh, you've mentioned to me in the past that you want to help other people though, especially youth learn some of the same skills and same, some of the same confidence and help them keep that spark and desire in their heart. 
what are you looking at as far as helping them? What are you thinking about doing? Like, where are you when you're not, you know, being a famous Olympian, like what else <laughs> and a mother and, you know, all the other things you're doing, like, what will that look like for you? Um, so it's, it's really interesting how all these, all my goals and dreams, they kind of just lead into each other. It's like, yeah. each is like a stepping stone. And I love that. And I, I noticed that. And so um, I had this desire to, you know, to start training again and start competing. And then I had this desire that I want to help youth, specifically athletes, use my, my knowledge, my experiences to help youth gain those skills of being successful that helped me. I want to give that to them. Um, and so a lot of the skills that I used or I learned as being an athlete throughout the years has helped me be successful in all areas of my life. And I wish that I had someone, a mentor or a coach that kind of guided me, mentored me through that way when I was a youth. Um, that would just, that would be awesome. And so um, actually last, end of last year, I created a business called the Elite Athlete Academy. And I have so many great ideas on what I want to do with this in the future and all the things I want to do. But right now, um, I'm putting on classes and I have programs that um, youth athletes, teenage high school athletes can go through and, they, and I can work with them. So I work with them um, on, on mental stuff, on uh, physical training and also social because, you know, sports, we, we have to work with, you know, other teammates or coaches one way or another, right. um, or even our opponent. Like how, how do we have good relationships with those people that we work with or compete against? Um, and all those skills for all three of those areas will help in any area of their life and throughout their life. Um, and so right now I'm just on Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's just called the elite athlete Academy. And I, so it's a very, it's, it's very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still build it's yeah I'm still building the foundation of it um but that would be great if, if you have if anyone has any high school athletes that maybe they're looking for another edge or a leg up or just looking to develop themselves more um they should definitely go check out my page and um I'm planning on putting on more classes at the end of February beginning of March and so there's a lot of different stuff I have planned I'm very excited are your classes online so people all over can join or are they local in your area. Yes. So as of right now, they're all online, um, which actually makes it really nice because I'm able to reach out to more that Absolutely. way. Um, and as soon as I'm able to, I'm going to start traveling to schools and speaking to teams and to maybe the whole sports programs. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for in-person speaking. Like, yeah. yeah, sometimes you get nervous. Like I get nervous, like speaking in front of people, but I have so much passion and love for what I want to share that, that helps me to overcome that anxiety that I have with public speaking. Yes. <laughs> and that is a common anxiety <laughs> for yes, a lot it is. of people, but you know, what's really fun about, um, that moment just before you get ready to hop on a stage or for other people, it might not be speaking on a stage. It might be something else, but that moment when you feel that energy in your body, that like your heart pounding and the butterflies in your stomach, the really cool thing is the physical symptoms for anxiety and the physical symptoms for excitement are almost identical. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are like, oh, my anxiety alarm just went off. But I think more often than not, it's actually excitement showing up saying, 
yes, we're going to speak about our passion. Yes, we're going to go make a difference. Yes, we're going to inspire somebody today. And if nothing else, I'm going to be brave and vulnerable, vulnerable and courageous and do something amazing. So yeah, yeah, that's super exciting. You're probably really just super excited. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love it. You know, I think, um, not only kids, youth, um, high school students um, in sports, but in all different, you know, um, like I have a son who's in theater. And even though they're working different muscles and having different goals, and, um, but you know, those skills that these kids are learning through these programs um, do carry over into other areas of their life. It does make a mm -hmm. difference. Um, my son one day said to me, this was several years ago. He was quite a bit younger. He's in high school now, but quite a few years ago, I asked him to make a phone call. That was um, kind of an adult phone call for someone his age. You know, it was kind of a big step. And I can't even remember what it was. Call this company or this business or this person or whatever and ask him this. And then I stopped and I said, oh my goodness, is that something, are you comfortable with that? And, you know, is that something you feel like you can do? And he goes, mom, I get up on stage all the time and I act and I perform and I, you know, and I can absolutely make a phone call. And so I love that if you, I mean, yours is um, not like theater, like his is, but as you're teaching these kids confidence and to believe in mm -hmm. themselves and helping them find their really, really, really big why, like why um, they need to do this on the days that they don't have their burning desire and they don't have that motivation because we all have no motivation days yep those skills you're going to be teaching them really will carry over into other areas of their life and that's you know just as important as what they're doing on the stage or on the field or or whatever arena they're in because um, you're going to help them be confident successful people and well-rounded that's really mm -hmm. really cool and these kids today need it they need good coaches they need good mentors they need someone in their corner who will cheer them on yeah so yeah i love that and if every kid had someone like you in their corner we wouldn't have so many kids struggling we wouldn't have so many kids with anxiety or depression or loneliness or i mean wow that, I think how many kids you can help change the world. That's really, yeah. really cool. Thank so, you. Yeah, so needed, so needed. Okay, so now if you're working through these kids through high school and you're going into schools and you're talking to them and you're mentoring them and you're inspiring them and you've got this cute kid who's like, I wanna be just like you. Um, <laughs> you also have some really cool tools and resources that like moms like me, if my kid said, how do I become an Olympic athlete? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but you have some of those tools and those resources and connections. And, and that's also a really valuable tool for these kids that sometimes parents, we want to provide, but we don't know how to. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. So is that going to be part of your program too? Like, as you're working with kids, like, is, are those options that they can tap into as they're working with you? That's what I'm hoping. Um, I don't have available right now, but that's something I'm hoping to work up to. Um, like, for example, I found um, kind of like a hole in like, um, like, for example, like when I went through the process of being recruited from high school to college, my parents had like no idea on like how, how to go about that as a student athlete, you know, 
like what to expect, like what the colleges expect, what, what we should expect from colleges being recruited, what kind of questions to ask. My parents were clueless. I was definitely clueless. And even though I had some teammates who were older who went through that process, no one really talked about it. And so I kind of found this hole that like, man, it'd be so nice if the parents and the student kind of knew ahead of time how to go about this process more smoothly, how to get the most out of this process of being recruited. And, and so um, I'm putting, I'm hoping to put on a class at the beginning of March. Um, and it's just a, we're hoping to just make it a one to two hour class. Uh, and I'm hoping to get one of my friends who is a um, division two throws coach. So she is in that realm of being a, co a college coach. Um, and she has so many great things to share through her experience and through my experience. We're hoping to reach out to some more coaches and um, alumni uh, who went through this process. And we are going to put together a class for both parents and the high school students who are juniors and seniors and kind of just t tell them how the basics, what the basics, what to expect, what kind of questions to ask, you know, colleges. Um, because there's, there's so many little things that like you never thought to ask, but you're like, wow, that would have been nice if I knew this or knew this or knew this. And um, we're also going to provide ways on how to find uh, scholarship money, not only athletically, but maybe for academics, because, you know, not everyone's going to get a scholarship. A lot of a lot of student athletes are walk ons, but that's OK. Like that's OK to be a walk on, because honestly, some of the best athletes started as walk ons. Wow. And we and we want to show students and their parents that it's okay it's okay to be a walk-on it's okay not to be the best right now but if they have this burning desire to be a student athlete in college there's other ways to kind of help them financially during that time where maybe they're not getting any scholarship but they're working working on their way to get a scholarship because um, I feel I've had a lot of friends who their parents discouraged them from trying at college athletics because they didn't get a scholarship money up front for athletics um, and so we also want to, you know, show them that there's other ways to make it happen. And like, if they want to do it, like they should do it. And so um, this class is going to be very educational. It's going to be, it kind of helps ease what's going on or how to go about the best way about the recruiting process. So it helps bridge that gap that I've noticed a lot of people are experiencing. Yeah, that's super cool because yeah, like I said, I my my son is um, not into athletics, he's into theater, but I would have no idea even in the theater world. Like, right. I don't even know any of that. And, and I never would have thought about if I had a kid who was discouraged and I didn't get a scholarship, I didn't get a scholarship. That's a really easy moment for that kid to spiral into anxiety or depression and mm -hmm. the, I'm not good enough or maybe I should quit moments. And I love that you're saying, just like what you were saying earlier, if they, that kid has that burning desire, we can be flexible, just like when yeah. we're taking dump trucks to a church parking lot, we can find other ways to make it happen. There is more than yes. one way to make something happen. If it's your desire that you will find a way. And I love that you Absolutely. have options and tools and to keep them excited and inspired and, and doing that, like moving forward. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. these kids need you. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> so in five months will you let us know if you've become the next u.s olympic 
I don't even know the title. What is, is it called? Olympians. <laughs> You're heading yeah. to the Olympics. <laughs> that yes. would be so amazing. And we get to watch and cheer you on. That will be fantastic. Thank you. Um, as we wrap up, do you have any tips or suggestions or advice or final words of inspiration for either women with anxiety who are like, how do I find my why? Or how do I get my spark back? Or how do I be anxiously engaged in my life like she is? Or for youth who are like, I really want to do this, but I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. Um, I would say first, and this is just from my own personal experience of what helped me is a lot of here, what, what I should say is a lot of women, they, they don't know where to start. Like they don't know what their passions are or like what they want to do. And what I would suggest is just list, start reading personal development books, listening to listening to personal development, either it be podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever it may be. And you have to kind of listen to what's going on the inside. And you'll be, you'll be surprised how many things inspiration come to you or ideas that you want to do. And um, you have to just start listening on that and just kind of build on it. And so that's kind of what happened with me is um, I started listening to YouTube videos on these walks and I set this goal of participating in a 60 mile bike race. Wow. Now I never, I never did it, <laughs> but I had this at the time I was just like, I need to do something. Like I need to work towards something. And so I set this goal and I was getting back in shape. I was doing core. I was working on my endurance and I'm not a long distance person, but I got excited at the time and I was working towards something. Yeah. And then that's something I want to share is not all goals that you, you kind of lose the, the, the passion for. It doesn't mean that they were useless because a lot of them are kind of like the stepping stone into something else. And so, you know, I started, you know, training for that. Then I was like, Oh, I really, really want to start doing this. And then I started like, you know, the, that little spark of throwing hammer kind of started to grow bigger. And I was like, well, I can't, you know, do this and this and this. And so I kind of lost my, my, my passion for doing the 60 mile bike race. Mm -hmm. And I let that goal go because it wasn't serving me anymore, but it was a good, great stepping stone into what I really, really wanted to do. Yeah. And so, um, don't, I, I want to, I always like to tell people, don't be discouraged if, you, if those goals and your passions that you had at the time, you no longer like have a passion for, um, that's okay because, and it's okay to let those go, those things go that don't serve you anymore. But a lot of the time it's a stepping stone into something greater that you're meant to do. Yes. I love that. Um, yeah. And so, um, another thing is, uh, something I've always learned um, and I've seen over and over in my life is things work out, you know, sometimes our lives don't happen how we picture them. Um, do, did I think that I would be 28 years old training with two boys go and I went through a divorce just recently during a pandemic? <laughs> no, <laughs> that is a lot. I did not imagine that ever happening, but I, honestly, and I'm a very good place right now. And I love it. I love this, this part of my journey that I'm on. Um, and I know it won't always be like this and things do work out. And so, um, I definitely rely on my relationship with heavenly father, continuing to build that, um, and continuing to build my own, like my own spirituality, my relationship with heavenly father. Like I'm not really able to go to church right now. Um, but I'm able to connect with 
you know, the people in my congregation and my ward and my branch. Um, and I'm able to continue to read the scriptures and, and have those discussions with my friends and family. Um, and so it makes it a little difficult during this time. But like I said, if there's a will, there's a way. Like there's not just one way of getting something done. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up our Heavenly Father and the gospel because that is when we can focus on that bigger eternal picture. Mm-hmm. Like you said, things do work out. Yes. They always do. They do work out. And, and we are so blessed. You, you said earlier, every challenge is a blessing in disguise. And yes. I love that because um, with that eternal perspective and that burning desire that we have inside of us, things are going to work out. We're going to end up exactly where we're supposed to be doing exactly what we love and being the best version of us. And I love that you're role modeling in um, that for us. That's really inspirational. I really love it. Thank you. Can I share something that just won't leave me alone? (laughs) No, that yes, please share. Love it. (laughs) So my senior year, so I overcame a lot of like injuries during my, uh, my freshman, sophomore and junior year of college. Um, I had like bulging discs. I had, uh, my knee was injured. It's a chronic injury. So I still have to deal with it. Um, and so there was a lot of things that I had to overcome that were painful physically that taught me a lot. Like I felt like because I was going through something painfully physically, it also was painfully mentally and emotionally. And I would never want to go through those experiences again, but it taught me so much about me, about my relationship with heavenly father and just serving And so when I was a freshman in college, I went through, um, I was engaged and then he broke off the engagement. And so it was really, really hard. And then I had my back issue where I had bulging disc. It hurt to like get out of bed. Like I was crying, just bending over and putting my shoes on. And then my parents, my dad retired from the air force and they moved seven hours away. So I had to move in an apartment by myself live by myself and my best friend moved away and I was taking hard classes. I couldn't train because I was in pain all the time. It was a very, very hard time. And so, um, but I always felt like the spirit was with me. Like I never felt like I was alone. Like I, I've never felt so close to the spirit than I did at that time because I really tried to make my apartment like a little sanctuary, a little, the, a whole, my holy place. And so I always felt the spirit was close to me. And at the time I felt like he was like my best friend. Like he was just always there with me. And so I was able to overcome and come back from that injury. And, you know, things got a little bit better. Um, And I had this desire to be all American in Mm -hmm. hammer throw, which is like, it's the top um, 16 um, people in the United States. And so I, I qualified to nationals my sophomore year and I didn't make it, I wasn't titled all American cause I didn't make the top 16 and then junior year happened. I qualified again, but I didn't make all American. And so it was like really discouraging. I was like, Oh, I only have one year. Like I only have one more year. And this is like, there's a lot of things that you can try again if you fail, but this is one of those times where it's like, yeah. If it's it, it's it. It's like it. you can't try again. <laughs> yeah. Like most things in life, you can always try again if you fail. So it was a lot of pressure on me. And so my senior year, I qualified. Um, and I did really good. I actually threw my best at nationals in Dallas, Texas. And my coach is like, You have a really, really good chance. Like, 
of going like to the, the final, like finals of nationals and being all American, which was my dream for four years. I was training for this for four years and I missed that. I missed this, the top 16 by 15 inches. Oh. Like I threw over 200 feet and I missed it by less than a foot and a half. Oh, <laughs> I was like hell? crushed. I was yeah. so crushed. And I was, I was like, that's it. Like I can never try for all American again. Like that's it. And, and so, and I wasn't where I wanted to be throwing. Cause I still had these injuries I was dealing with. And I just felt like my body was just broken all the time. And so I was still in Dallas, Texas nationals, a track and field were still, still going on. And I kind of went to my, my, um, my hotel room and I was kind of, you know, feeling sorry for myself and yeah. like, why did this happen? Like, Lord, like I, I kept saying, like, I thought, you know, I, I thought if, you know, if I was righteous enough and I did what I was supposed to, and I tried hard enough that like things I would happen, like what I want to happen. Yeah. And so pa- pause on that. So whenever they changed the age for female missionaries to serve at 19 instead of 21, uh-huh. I was a sophomore, I believe in college. And I had a burning desire to serve a mission. I always had a burning uh-huh. desire. And I was like, maybe this is my chance. And I prayed. And the first time I prayed, I got a no. And I was like, okay, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And so a few months go by and I had a burning desire and I was like, okay, I really need to pray about this. Like maybe the answer will be different. And I got the second no. And I was like, oh, like I really wanted to serve a mission. Like I had a desire, like why wouldn't I, was I getting a yes? And then like a year goes by and I decided to pray for a third time. And I was, I believe a junior at the time. And this is before I met my ex-husband and everything. And I got a no for the third time. Wow. And I was like, maybe I should stop asking. I don't want to be like Martin Harris and ask three times. <laughs> the Lord's like, okay, fine. So I was like, I should just stop asking. And yeah. I, I prayed. I was like, why do I have this desire to serve, to serve the Lord? Why do I have this desire to do this when I keep getting no's about serving a mission? And the answer that I got from the Lord was, you are meant to serve a mission where you are now. You are meant to serve where you are now. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so cool. I like... Yeah, it was super cool to, you know, to get that inspiration. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, serve in all of my YSA callings as best as I can and just be as, just serve in this opportunity the best that I could. Yeah. So fast forward to nationals. I didn't get into all American. I was in my hotel room, just self-pity, just, I'm just sitting there and I was reading my scriptures and praying, trying to understand that why I didn't achieve this goal. I've been working so hard for four years, like why didn't I get this? And the Lord told me that day that I wasn't meant to have the title of all American because I did exactly what he needed me to do during those four years to wow. serve him and serve those people around me that I was able to come in contact with that the missionaries weren't able to. And I look back and I've actually had so many conversations with teammates, with coaches about gospel principles, about doctrine about all those things. I even had a teammate got, she got baptized and she, she got baptized after she left college, but she, her boyfriend at the time was a member. She ended up getting baptized. I got to speak at her, at her baptism and they ended up getting married. And, um, I have had so many times where I remember bus rides and, uh, conversations in the coach's office about, about, 
what we believe and why we don't do things on Sunday or why the temple is important and all these things. It's just like, whoa, like those kind of conversations and interactions and service that I did in those moments, regular missionaries wouldn't be able to have those, those kind of, they wouldn't be able to be in those kind of moments where I was. And so that experience just humbled me so much that we can serve wherever we are. Mm-hmm. No matter what we're doing, we don't have to have a name tag on that we can serve the Lord and we can be missionaries wherever we are. Wow. So that was an amazing experience. I'm actually eventually going to write a book on it called yeah. Called to Serve, um, uh, Called to a Different Field. Oh, that's so cute. instead of like the missionary field, yes. it'll be like track and field. That's darling. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. And I love that the gospel and having the Lord with you through your side, uh, through all of this, uh, you know, by your side has been a huge piece. He's been a partner through it. And I love that you figured that out at such a young age. Not every teen, even those who grew up in the gospel or even have little budding testimonies, they're not in a hotel room on their knees with their scriptures praying. when they're going through like this training process and competitions and things like that. So I Mm -hmm. love that he has been right there with you and you have allowed him to be your, his, your part, his, well, a coach, he's been a partner and a coach as well, a different kind of coach, but he's been right there for you. I love that. And how cool is it that we can receive personal revelation? Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine going through life without the plan of salvation and personal revelation and knowing that there is an eternal plan that yeah. is bigger and better for us than we can even imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. How cool. So uh, when you are working with kids, will I mean, you may be working with um, youth that are of all different faiths, not just, right. not just yours, but will that be a component if they want it to be a part of it? Uh, I never really thought about it, but that would be, that'd be something really fun to do some kind of camp or workshop where I can tie in um, religion or spirituality or, or things like that into it. That would actually be really cool. I've never really thought about that. So yeah. I find yeah. um, in my coaching practice um, without trying or looking for it, it pops up all the time. Yeah. It's because it's part of who we are. Exactly. And it just comes and and it's a necessary part of our success. So I love Mm -hmm. that. I love, thank you for sharing your testimony and thank you for sharing that story of service because you're right. Sometimes missionary work looks different than a, you know, a traditional missionary serving an 18 month or two year mission. Sometimes it is sitting with a kid in the back of a bus who just, yeah didn't make their goal or, yeah. <laughs> or in a locker room or, I mean, it can be anywhere. And, and how yeah. cool is it that we can share those things with uh, someone in need at, at any time, mm-hmm. anytime and always. Oh, I yeah. love that. I have goosebumps. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> All right. So I asked You're you welcome. before, was there anything you wanted to share? Any last words? And you gave us that great story. Is there anything else before we wrap up? And no, I think that's it. So now if, you have someone, I know you mentioned your Facebook page, your group, mm-hmm. you've got some stuff coming up. If people want to contact you though, what is the best way for them, you know, today to reach out and connect with you as far as maybe a speaking engagement, or maybe there is someone listening who's got a, maybe they're a high school coach or <laughs> a yeah. college coach or something like who, how can they find you now? 
I would say the best way to contact me would probably be through Facebook, like my personal page. I mean, obviously text or my phone number would, but um, I'm just, I'm not going to throw my phone number out there. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And that's so I definitely would say just Facebook. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook all the time just yeah. because, you know, I, I put stuff out there for my own friends and family to stay connected, but also because of my business as well. Um, and so, yeah, my name is just what my name is Elizabeth Hample and um, people can just message me on there. If you have any questions or ideas or just want to connect with me, um, I would be happy. I'd be happy to. I love connecting with people. Yes, me too. It's my favorite thing. So fantastic. Okay. Well, if you guys as listeners to this podcast, if you guys have not been inspired today, I will be amazed because this has been, I've had goosebumps and I've been inspired and I absolutely have loved our talk today. I, um, am, really been thinking about as we've been talking some of my sparks and my burning desires and um and are my whys really strong enough do i have the courage to really um allow myself to dream about those big whys to discover them to be vulnerable and know that i may or may not reach them but am i willing to go after it am i willing to try and i feel like like you said things work out if we'll just partner mm -hmm. with the lord yes, they do Stay focused, taking action every day, things will work out and we're going to accomplish some really amazing things. Yours might be on a world stage. Ours might be on a smaller stage, but they will be equally amazing. <laughs> yes, they will. They're equally important too. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to be watching and cheering you on. So please keep us posted and uh, we'll be cheering you on. And uh, I just want to wish everyone as we wrap up a, um, an anxiety-free and a gratitude-filled day. Thank you. <laughs>